welcome to episode 's daughter on Twitter. And I'm Enda, also known as Enda's Corner on Twitter. And uh, you can also contact us collectively as at Black Girl Squee. Um, you can find our Tumblr uh, at blackgirlsquee.tumblr.com. And our email is blackgirlsquee at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at our new podcast home, Simplecast. And we're there at blackgirlsquee.simplecast.com. If you like what you hear um, on this show and also on Ratchet Research, um, uh, Missives from the Underground... R.I.P. And uh, our new show, Get Her in the Game, uh, Pitch Podcast. Uh, please uh, support us by going to our Patreons, which you will find in the show notes, and help us continue to make great content for y'all. Um, we'll also, we'd also like to remind you that we have a spoiler policy, um, and our policy is that we spoil shit. So, uh, if we mention TV shows, um, some spoilers might fall out. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Um, it happens. Uh, we also cuss a lot, and we talk about dick. (laughs) That's for you, Kat. And we also squee loud and often, um... And uh, is louder, and so you will need to adjust your volume accordingly. So now that we've got all of that out the way, um, let's get into our squeeworthy news. Want to start us off, Inda? All right. So, and our first item in squeeworthy news, in case you have not heard for some reason, Queen Sugar is currently streaming on Hulu. Uh, it began streaming on Hulu on April 21st. And in even better news, Season 2 begins with a two-hour event on June 20th and 21st. Yeah! <laughs> okay, so um, in a write-up from Variety, they say that the subsequent seasons will become available to stream following their initial run on OWN. So, uh, yeah, Didi, you gotta... <laughs> gotta Got to get yourself a another season pass or something? <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to... Oh, I can't fuck with Google Play no more. They be fucking... Oh. Uh, yeah. They don't, they, be, they don't be releasing their episodes on time and shit. I just... I can't... I, also, I feel like I'm paying twice. Really? Like if, I pay for, if I pay for a season pass, and I'm also already paying for Hulu, I feel like I'm paying for the show twice. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, so it be's like that, and I yeah. got to see it. I got to see it, like 
At least yeah. the day after it airs. I know, so. right? <laughs> okay. Well, in keeping with their all-women directing teams, they're including um, some new names this uh, season. They include Kat Candler, yeah, Kat Candler, Demaine Davis, Cheryl Dunyer, Aurora Guerrero, and Amanda Marcellus. And I'm so excited to see Cheryl Dunye's name there because I love, love, love Watermelon Woman. Love and it. I think I think Julie Dash was added recently. Why? I remember I remember reading that. I think she was. Yeah. So yeah. Ava yeah, Ava's not fucking around with y'all. No, not in the least. No. Never. So I'm just like Julie Dash and Cheryl Denier. Like these are like goats of black women directors. Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so excited to see them getting, you know, all this work now. Because, I mean, Cheryl Dunyer, the only thing I knew she directed was Watermelon Woman. But, I mean, she's done some other stuff, too, and I need to go find out what it is. But, um, yeah, because she's, yeah, Watermelon Woman just turned 25, like, last year. So it's ridiculous that she did this really, you know, awesome 90s empty film and, you know, she doesn't get, you know, that we're, everyone's talking about women, you know, directors getting, you know, these opportunities, not in the same way that men do. And so just glad to see Ava looking out, you know, it's like she said, these women, the ones that she hired, they already did these indie, did entire films on low budgets and they did them well, but, but they can't get work. Right. And they so, their dues, so why yeah. can't, like, yeah. They just fall off the map, but y'all, y'all go in helping for leather over Patty Jenkins, but what? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Okay, well, anyway, uh, Queen Sugar was the number one cable series for women between ages 25 and 54, and it is the number one new cable series for African American women and total viewers during its run. Yep. So, wow. like I said, yeah. June 20th. June twentieth and twenty first, be there. So I'm so, I'm to, so ready uh, to see. Oh, sorry. I just yeah. I just oh, want to say. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just ready to see my baby Kofi. <laughs> my baby Regina. <laughs> All my babies. I'm so ready. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So for. Ava DuVernay for Queen Sugar and all of the women getting opportunities to direct in this very excellent show. We give a big Also, fuck Davis. (laughs) Basically. I just remembered his light-skinned ass. Um... (laughs) Uh, Moving on, next item. um, (laughs) Elite... The next item is Alicia Garza's commencement speech um, that she dedicated solely to black women. Ah, this was this just you know sometimes you you have you just need a bit of encouragement, and this was like a whole pot full of encouragement. Yeah. Um, so, um, recently, uh, Alicia, Alicia Garza, who is one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, uh, 
delivered a commencement speech at San Francisco State University. And uh, it's basically an ode to black women. Um, she says, there would be no America were it not for black women. Amen, amen. Um, she says, were it not for black women, there would be no Underground Railroad, no one to campaign against black bodies swinging from trees like strange fruit. There would be no protest songs like the ones that came from the toes through the womb, up through the lungs, and out of the brilliant mind and mouth of Nina Simone. <sighs> well, I see no lies. No. No, no lies. Um, she continues, uh, were it not for black women, there would have been no one to fight for me. And I would not be here to fight alongside you. Mm. So that, I mean, that just speaks to black women's history in um, resistance movements um, of all kinds um, that has been recently erased in uh, media. But she's, she's, she's bringing back the truth. Um, she also says, we, I, you, and me, we owe everything to black women. Yes, all lives, all, con- all contributions. But this, this is bigger than all that. This is about black women, cisgender, transgender, no gender, disabled, queer, immigrant black women who time and time again keep trying to tell y'all and more than that keep showing y'all we are magic Ah! (laughs) yeah this was like this was like Aisha Hines preaching for an hour (laughs) on underground yeah this is like, just yeah. This, you needed to hear this. Is something something you need to hear. Yeah, I just uh-huh. realized she did this at San Francisco University State University. I'm like, y'all got blessed with a word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just wanted to uh, share a bit of that with you because the words are are healing. Um, well, the truth is can be a healing balm and this was very encouraging so to Alicia Garza and her wonderful speech and all the wonderful work she does with Black Lives Matter we give a big alright so uh, next item and uh, um, oh oops yeah. I'm gonna do this one too so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So, um, I've, I've been, I've been going through some personal bullshit and, um, feeling really low, but at this time, um, but then in the, just, just popped out this brilliant, um, episode of her audio essay podcast called Inda's Corner. And it was a word that I really needed, um, 
This time, uh, it was all about self-care, and ah, I just had to had to st- you know it was really hard to keep myself from doing praise hands at work while listening to this but um oh I just had to tweet it out um tweet through it whatever um but um I just had to some of the great points that were made in the podcast um first of all you know the worry that um, self-care will get co-opted by the mainstream, mm-hmm. a.k.a. white folks. And just like, you know, words like they're trying to take intersectionality and try to um, twist the meaning of that to suit them. Um, yeah, um, but I don't think Kim- Kimberly Crenshaw is not having that. Yeah. Um, so when you said once it becomes associated with whiteness, uh, particularly as white girl shit, it loses its function. Yeah. <laughs> that was a mini word right there, yeah. but there's more. But yeah, do you want to do you want to expand on that, or do you feel like you said all you had to say in the in the in the podcast? Yeah, I kind of do. That's just the thing with if you notice anything, that's just taken you know from from the marginalized and suddenly it becomes this property of you know i'll i'll just say middle middle class you know whiteness and stuff like that it just loses all meaning and you just kind of forget what it's for and where the origins are from and but like being you know a black woman being a black woman uh raised you know in poverty and kind of still there it's like we're the types of people we need it most, you know, but thing is for us, when we try to take care of ourselves, we're seen as selfish, you know, we're seen as, and also we're seen as undeserving. That's the really, that's the really hard part. Someone like, look, I remember when, you know, both my parents worked in factories. Okay. And so like, once I got older and like, I could get like Christmas gifts and stuff like that. I was always trying to get them stuff like, um, foot massages and back massages and things like that because I mean it it was like kind of a luxury but it's like they also needed it mm-hmm. you know I, I worked in a factory like less than a month of my life and I hated it they did this for like more than 20 you know 30 years of their lives and so can you imagine what their bodies have gone through you know doing that type of work all their lives but you don't think that they're deserving of, you know, having, you know, health care that they need, you know, or just being able to, you know, retire in comfort and things like that. And so when it comes to, you know, us taking care of ourselves, you know, as black women, we are always it's it's just seen on us like, OK, you're that's not what you know, that's not supposed to be your life, though. Your life is supposed to be hardship and struggling. You're supposed to enjoy it. And you're mm. not supposed to, you're not supposed to want reward as if self-care is a reward. Hell for some of us self-care is being able to get out of bed in the morning. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that was another time I had to fight the praise hands from yeah. jumping up. Yeah, when you said that. Um so, but that, yeah, that's really we're what you said what you just said was really great that we're the ones that need it most. Yes. But 
are told that we deserve it the least. Exactly. So that's why um, that's why you said that self-care for black women is radical. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, because people think, you know, oh, it's like, it's, you know, binging, you know, on ice cream and stuff like that. It's getting your nails done. Well, sometimes it is. But, you know, sometimes it's also just taking a damn break. You know? Or taking a fucking nap. Exactly. Instead of pushing through to do something for somebody else. Exactly. It's saying no when you just can't. Or getting a big piece of chicken. Hell, it can be anything. Yeah. Because you have a right to take care of you first. You have that right. And we just get told that we don't. And one thing that this... The part that I really, 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 one of the parts that I really loved the most was when you said, and I had to run it back and transcribe this shit because it was so good. (laughs) Inda, Inda Lauren, a quote from Inda Lauren, open quote, but the assumption is that black women must pour into someone else, not re-energize ourselves to pursue our own desires end quote yeah and this is when i wanted to just jump up and run around because i think i think during that self during that self-care episode i was struggling to say something like this but i i just couldn't get i couldn't articulate it but you managed to just do it in one sentence because yeah. You're the black, you the black femme genius. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Some people got it like that, but this is so important. It's so important. So important that you don't, that how we view self-care is not so we can recharge and just, you know, burn ourselves just to go burn ourselves out again um being all things to all people yeah um but that we do it for us to to pursue the things that we enjoy yeah um yes because as we've seen um over the course of this show um even if we do you know pour ourselves into someone someone else or someone's else or some other movement or um cause we're gonna get shit either way yeah exactly (laughs) so we might as well be pursuing something that gives us pleasure that we enjoy that we feel called to do um Instead of trying to be everything to everybody else. Yes. But, whew. Um, yes. And uh, finally, we have to get into this because you're spending <laughs> a, a nice bit of time in this essay talking about uh, sex as self-care. And also thirst as self-care. <laughs> Just... You know, different ways um, that some women um, uh, find pleasure. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, tell us more, Angela. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, before I say anything, just keep in mind, I am not an expert, okay? But there's a couple of things that I think about a lot sometimes. One is physical release and two is touch. Big. Oh, sir. <laughs> yeah, that too, but <laughs> But uh yeah, cause look not everybody has a sex drive. That's that's fine. That's normal. That's cool. But, you know, if you do and it is a healthy one, sex can be just a really, I think, a really good way just to, you know, take care of yourself because you are getting, you you releasing a physical need, you know, or, or making a physical release. And, you know, that's important you know, because, I mean, look, some people go to the gym, some people do whatever, but you know what? I, yeah. And I'm like, if plus, like I said, you know, in the um thing, if you're, if it's with another person, it's an exercise in trust, you know? And if like you, like me, you have trust issues, it takes a lot to let down those, um, let down that guard, let down those barriers to, you know, let somebody to be that, you know, physically intimate with you. So, you know, that's why I think, you know, sex can be a really good, you know, part of self-care if that's something that you like. And also, as black women who, you know, we have this really twisted um, relationship with sexuality because of our history. And, you know, I just think we need to take take our sexuality back. Amen. And also, I liked what you said about thirst, just that. Yeah. And you know, just just the the act of expressing yes. our desire. Even if we're you know, we're not gonna act on it, we're not gonna exactly slide into anybody's DMs, maybe. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a release. Get get shit out of get shit out of you, you know? And it and it's like I mean, I'm sure black I know black women aren't the only ones that do it. No, we are not. We're just the only ones that get reviled for it. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like he wouldn't want you anyway. Like, I didn't like, say he would. I didn't say he would. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, but that's the that's the pushback you get, like, online, yeah. on social media. And you get it from black men. You get it from white women. You get it from yeah. all kinds of people. He wouldn't be interested in 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 a in a black woman anyway or yeah know, this person wouldn't be interested and in all this other stuff yep and, yeah so yeah so when you just kind of you know let it kind of out like yeah i would you know i like this person or i would do you know such and such with this person it is such a release because it's it's actually a brave thing to do to be honest I mean, it's not like you're going, like you say, yeah, you might not act on it or, you know, because, well, some of, let's just be real. Some of us actually do know boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not going to go. Yeah. So we're not going to go harassing people. But (laughs) for me to say, like, look at Idris. Oh, my God. Looking like a snack. You know, that feels good to say. And it's true. Exactly. What what y'all got against the truth? I know. Right. What y'all got against? 
I don't know. He could be just waking up, you know, um, rubbing the crust out of his eyes. He probably, he, he still looked like a snack. It's yeah. going to be true. Exactly. Whenever you say it. Um, also to Trevante. Um, <sighs> I'm looking, looking forward to them romper picks whenever you want to uh, post them. Yes. Whenever you buy that romper, um, Olive Green, I think you said, please post the pics. Um, And let's be real. Some of these dudes just be deliberately setting these thirst traps anyway. (laughs) Jake Choi. Louis Tan. Louis Tan. John Boyega. Yes. We see you. We appreciate you. Yes. Give us a reason to release. (laughs) Yes. No, I am not, and it feels good. (laughs) I am taking care of myself. (laughs) I ain't forgot them shirtless, them, 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 them half shirtless pics from Coachella. I ain't forget them. I ain't forgot them pics. You, you looking, looking good, Poppy. Um. Oh wow. I was just this morning looking at some pics of Keanu Reeves in a suit with a beard. God like, damn, his damn. Gl- his cat He's daddy not aged. His cat daddy glow up was just unreal. I mean, I know he's. I think he's. I he's, know he's part Asian. Yeah, but he yeah. might have some black in him too. He wasn't <laughs> aged. He is fifty-two. What? He's older than Raphael Sadiq. Y'all need to join this va- va- vampire clan and just out yourselves. Yeah. Just really. Just tell us what the deal is and let us know how y'all do it. God damn. Keanu ain't got no, He ain't got no damn right being as fine as he is. Shit. Um <laughs> Lord, we done we done moved we done moved this uh this week in that print up. <laughs> up um, well, it's all part of self care, like I said. Yes, feels good. Yes, feels good. Um, <laughs> so, to Enda and her wonderful audio essay series in this corner, uh, which you can find on Mixcloud, I give a big. <laughs> Biggest squeeze you've ever done, and also the highest. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm taking a bow over here. All right, good. Okay, all right. Well, on to uh, some really awesome black girl magic news. Janet Mock is coming up with a new book. It is called Surpassing Un- Surpassing Certainty: What My Twenties Taught Me. And this book will be available on June thirteenth, so not yet, but close. And um, you can pre- you can pre-order on Amazon. Yeah, also on her website, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can it, go to the link has of, links. Yeah, you can go to the link on her website. And uh, so she says, "Surpassing certainty is a portrait of a young woman searching for purpose and place in the world, without a roadmap to guide her forward." Ooh, girl. Uh, and the description also says, long before she became one of the world's most respected voices and leaders, Janet Mock took the time she needed to just be self-care, to learn how to advocate for herself at home, at college, and at work, 
before becoming an advocate for others. Wow. Surpassing certainty will embolden you as you witness Janet's slow-won success and painful failures shift the way you see others and affirm you as you seek certainty in yourself. And wow, I cannot think of a better person to be writing this book because I'm just always so happy to see her succeeding and see her happy, you know, got married not too long ago. Now she's got another book because, of course, um, the first one, um, the the realness. Redefining realness. Redefining realness because I know that book changed some lives. And so to see her still doing it, keep, you rock, Janice. Janet, you rock. <clears throat> I, I just love seeing, I, I just love seeing these um visible um black trans women yes driving. yes like yes janet and laverne and raquel yes and, and we need more yes so. I, we need more i just i just unfortunately this this country well this world is not you know really conducive to helping black yeah. trans women thrive but yes but this uh, is any, Pride any Month. Other. Yeah, this yes. is Pride Month, and this is being released during Pride Month. So if she's having any events like signings signings or readings and stuff, you are around, go. Get her book. You know? Yeah. Tell her you appreciate her. Yeah. Um, receive whatever word she is willing to give, because yes. it will be a, it will be a blessing. Yes, it will. Um and I'm looking forward to reading more of her allure column Yay. on beauty. And yeah, she's just she's just uh, she's just making it happen. Big yes. big things happening for Janet Mock. So to her, we give a big. Um, real quick, um, we predicted it. Uh, Aisha Hines is one of um, the Emmy contenders, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter. She was featured in a um, big photo shoot that um, had a whole class of Emmy contenders for supporting actor. Um, Other black women in this class included Lena Waithe from Master of None. Uh, Jennifer Hudson for Hairspray Live, and Samira Wiley from uh, The Handmaid's Tale, and also Orange is the New Black. Um, but I just feel like Aisha, if she don't, if she don't win something, I'm gonna hurt somebody. Yeah, it's gonna be some rides out in the street because she did the damn thing on that. Yeah. The whole season, the whole season, yes. but especially that that sixth episode, Minty. Yes, that. I'm still just <sighs> just in awe that they actually took that risk and did that, and for it to pay off the way it did. That right. was just for her to pull it off the way she did. Yes, memorizing forty something pages of dialogue. Of monologue, girl. girl. She should get the award for that alone, and then yes. just but but the performance that she gave the whole season, like you can't you can't take your eyes off of her when she's playing Harriet Tubman. No, 
she was just amazing. Um, so to Aisha Hines and all the other contenders, um, looking forward to hearing um, about those Emmy nods and for um, WGN to go screw. Um, <laughs> but uh, we salute you, Aisha Hines, and we give you a big screw. And I just have to say, for that cover shoot, I love that red suit she's wearing. <laughs> she be wearing, she be wearing the hell out of some suits and yeah. some pretty polka dot dresses and stuff. She's just cute. yes, she is. All right, so uh, next, Janelle Monae will star in an episode of Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams anthology series. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, Electric Dreams is a 10-episode sci-fi anthology series based on Philip K. Dick's short stories. And from an article in Shadow and Act, it said that Monet will star in the episode titled Autofac. And the um, episode story goes as, uh, despite society and the world as we know it having collapsed, a massive automatic product manufacturing factory continues to operate according to the principles of consumerism. Humans consume products to be happy, and in order to consume continuously, they must be denied freedom of choice and free will. When a small band of rebels decide to shut down the factory, they discover they may actually be the perfect consumers after all. Wow. If you are actually familiar with Janelle Monae's trajectory of albums, this is perfect for her. She's been auditioning for this for years. Yes. Uh, for years. <laughs> yes. She has. Cindy Mayweather is. <laughs> this yep. is definitely some Cindy Mayweather shit. And so, oh, it says D. Reese will direct a different episode of the series starring Jason Mitchell from Straight Outta Compton. So we got two black girls throwing some yeah. magic in our, in our um, sci-fi shit. All right now, so I am looking forward to this because I actually found through um, Hidden Figures and uh, Moonlight, Janelle Monae can act. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. looking forward to this. So, so um, and I mean, she's batting a f- 100 as far as great projects. So Yes, she is. I mean, if that, if that continues here, then we're in for some really yeah. good, um, some really good TV. Yeah. yeah, plus I like anthology series like The Outer Limits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. All right, so to Janelle Monet and Dee Reese for the uh, sci-fi anthology series Electric Dreams, we give a big Uh, last bit of news is Gina Prince by the Wood is the first female dire- female filmmaker of color to direct a superhero flick. Yay! Hey, it's about damn time. Exactly. Um, Sony Pictures has hired uh, Gina to direct and rewrite a movie called Silver and Black. Um, the movie features two characters from Spider-Man's comic book universe, uh, Silver Sable and Black Cat. And um, fans of the fans of Spider-Man will know that they're kind of anti-heroes. They tend to fight Spider-Man and also partner with <laughs> Spider-Man with um, regularity. So um, yeah. 
they go back and forth. Um, <laughs> uh, the film will debut in 2018. Uh-oh. Same year as Black Panther. I know, right? I know, right? And The Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> 2018 gonna be lit. Lit. Um, uh, Prince by the Wood has already directed the pilot for uh, Cloak and Dagger, which is a teen series set to air on Freeform next year. Um, this is another Marvel franchise that uh, includes two uh, teen vigilantes. Um, I think they're an interracial couple as well. So yeah, they are. So to Gina, Prince by the Wood, keep getting the checks and. Uh, <laughs> Keep getting that Marvel money. Um, <laughs> and also, so, so glad to finally have a black woman directing one of these films. Like, I'm just Yay. so happy. Yay. All right. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what the casting will be. Yeah. Um, so um, the main topic is. Um, you know, we just wanted to give a uh, brief recap of WizCon from somebody who was there. <laughs> well, yeah, I was there because I live here. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, yeah, that's the only reason I go because I found out it's here in town, and I'm like, the end. Yeah, the registration is only fifty bucks, and. I just um, happened to go first time in 2012, and I've gone back every year since then. But you did a, you had you were in um about four or five panels, right? I did five panels this year, girl. Yeah. How are you still upright and <laughs> and talking? Yeah. Well, oh, the Lord, thing with me, and, yeah, with me and my disposition. I like to do like fun stuff, like light stuff and just kind of give everybody a chance to do like squeeze and vent like a lot like we do on the show here. And so um, I the reason I, uh, I also moderated these panels, I usually moderate because I like listening to everybody else talk. And so um, we did. Um, let's see. What did we do? We did uh, the year in black films, which was fun. Uh, we also did. Uh, what else did we do? Shit. Uh, we did uh, black television, the so, uh, golden age of black television, but then it topic changed just a bit slightly because of everything that's um, happened within the past couple of weeks. Did one um, anticipating Black Panther, did the women of Luke Cage, and then we also did um, older black women and television romance. Hey. Yeah. And uh, about two of those, I believe, um, or maybe just one. Our um, friend at Nerdgasm Noir Network, J.P. Fairfield, she recorded those. And so if she gets those edited, then she'll uh, um, play uh, air those on Nerdgasm. But we'll, we'll, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks if she does that. Oh. It was the Luke Cage one. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. And um, if you don't know anything about Wisconsin, it is a... It is the oldest um, feminist sci-fi uh, conference con them in the in the country. It's this is the forty-first year. They have a, a participant submitted programming. You have to you know submit your panels. The, the all the ones that I submitted, those were those were all accepted, and those are the ones I modded. And um, they make it 
they tr- do everything they can to make it accessible to everybody on all levels. This could be according to disability. This could be according to other marginalizations, you know, and sexual orientation and stuff like that. Like in the past couple of years, along with name tags, they give you the option to put your pronouns on the um, um, your name tag. Uh, everybody's free to do that. They also give you these um, uh, these cards, like uh, green, yellow, and red. Like if you don't want people to approach you and talk to you, you can put the red card up. If you know, it's like okay, well maybe you know take your chance, yellow. But if you're just up for anybody to come talk to you or whatever, you got a green. You can just put the green card up. And uh, so, um, uh, it's a really. I actually enjoy it every year, but I think it's because I came after race fell of 2009, and I think that's when a lot of things started to change for the better for a lot of us. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, there are a lot of people who have. They've been coming a lot longer than I have, and they've seen, you know, the way it's progressed. And every year, it's gotten progressively black and browner, which is actually, I think, a good thing. <laughs> because, um, which, which is why it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right. Um, there, um, in addition to like the panels, they also have workshops you can go to. This year, I did, um, one with the incredible Jackie Gross. And she did, um, Emily Post, sorry about that, I was trying to kill something, uh, Emily Post, uh, prompts, and so she gave us some prompts and we worked on some fan fiction, and I actually started on some fan fiction I've been thinking about for quite some time now, so with those prompts, I, I kind of got, you know, my creative, um, my creative juice is flowing, and so I'm not so scared to do fanfic, you know, right now with that anymore. So I'm Yay! like, hey, I can do this. And I'm also, it was also because I don't do well with prompts. And so it was actually kind of like, well, I got, you know, this prompt in, you know, 15 minutes to, you know, do something. And it wasn't as terrifying as I thought. So, yeah, that was really good. And there are also uh, parties, you know, every night you can, um, uh, usually what happened, because there there used to be, there there's always one um it's called the gender flump, which was actually a quilt bag space. And, but they did get to the point where they just started inviting everybody. But for the past couple of years, one of our, uh, one of the um, people who uh, does like stuff for the con, Mickey Kendall, she would have a party, a speakeasy thing. Anybody was invited, but what ended up happening is that more people started coming to coming in and out of her party and they weren't really going to the flump. Because they didn't like the music and all that stuff like that. So they finally asked her, would she do music for it? And she said, I'm not the one who does the music. That's Deanna. So Nerdgasm's Deanna Jones had a DJ set at the Flump this year. Hey! Lots of Big Frida, lots of Beyonce. I think that was Beyonce. Uh, and, you know, it was actually really good. It was really good, you know. And, you know, it was just nice to... You know, see everybody in costume, and if you um, saw my post on Instagram, you see that I posted a picture of um, our girl, Source the Mall. She was dressed as Ursula, the sea witch. Ah! Yeah, I, I love that picture. <laughs> I just love how much fun she had with it. It was just so perfect. But yeah, it's like lots of things, you know, going on. This is why no one ever sleeps, <laughs> because like you will party until 2 a.m., and then you have to get up for an 8.30 panel. <laughs> but that's why I always say don't ever give me a panel before 10. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. They do so much to accommodate you, you know, if you really want to come and like, and so, um, if, uh, you have any like financial issues getting there, you can try to get, um, funds through con or bust who um, help people of color get to different types of cons. I think usually speculative and sci-fi cons, but I'm not sure. And, um, uh, it's always for me at though sometimes now it's like a family reunion. Because I'm seeing all the people that, you know, I don't, I only get to see once a year now, you know, and so it's really always good to, you know, see them, hang out with them. And they're actually just trying to get me to stay at the hotel with them now instead of going home because I get cussed out for walking home at night, but they didn't let me do it this year. So, good. <laughs> I'm like, I live here. <laughs> it's night. But I do it all the time. So, <laughs> stay your but, ass in the hotel. Stay your ass in the hotel. What you what you got against the hotel? Nothing. I like my bed. Uh, <laughs> so stubborn. But, um. Okay. Okay, but uh, did you have any questions or anything? <laughs> well, um. Do they let you take those red cards, yellow cards anywhere? Like, I've, I could use those at my job. <laughs> I still got like, mine. Can you take them, oh, can you, like, can you take them to the parties, too? And, <laughs> and just yeah. be like, no, nah, leave me alone. Ah! Yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. I like that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, did you have to read the fanfic you wrote from the prompts? I didn't have to because we did three different ones. I didn't read the first one I did because I hated it and I couldn't really get anything going for it. But the second one, I went ahead and read that and they were like, oh, yeah, we we see we see what you did there. OK, cool. So got some feedback on it. And, you know, it was uh, it like I said, it was a little less terrifying than I thought. Hey. So, uh, thank you for this eyewitness account, this recap <laughs> of WizCon. Um, and yeah, do you have any, do you, are you going to write up any of your notes from the panels or did you have any time to make notes since you were moderating? Um, I didn't really have time to make notes, but I still have like questions. I still do have, um, remember some of the things that, you know, happened there. So I was going to do a write up just about the whole con, but, um, also everything is hashtagged. So I can, uh, if you remind me, I'll give you the hashtags for, um, all of the panels I did, but one of them, the last one about, um, older women and, and romance, nobody live tweeted that. So, but, the other ones, I think people live tweeted, and there are also a couple of others. One of them, I wasn't on the panel, but I went to it, and it trended. Stop white mm-hmm. feminism trademark. Yeah. yeah, so I will give you some of the the hashtags that you can look at for um, if you want to uh, hear what went down and see what kind of discussions took place. Yes, please. Yes. Um, so. Thank you for right. for the recap. Hey, my pleasure. <laughs> oh, we yeah. <laughs> it's funny that one with trend. We tired, y'all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's tiring. <laughs> is is absolutely exhausting. Yeah. Um, 
So speaking of things that are exhausting, uh, we'll move on to Scratch <sighs> the Face. Oh my god. Oh. Oh boy. So, um, you know, we've been talking about, we've seen this trend for a minute, um, but now white people are writing about it, so yeah. it's gotta be true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, stop white feminism yeah um yeah but i'm mad that what prompted them was since eight though i'm mad that's what prompted them like bitch that's the most racist one exactly um (laughs) oh and it's not as inclusive as you think it is exactly Um, but anyway uh in catch the fade we're talking about tv and uh, we've seen this uh, disturbing trend where uh, shows that are the most quote-unquote diverse, the ones with the most inclusive casts, um, are getting canceled. They're dropping yeah. like flies. Yes. Um, and... Uh, for those people, you know, who need, you know, who need numbers, who need, who need, um, you know, sources. Yes. Um, you know, there's, um, Mo Ryan, um, who is a well-known TV, uh, critic, uh, wrote a piece in Variety, an opinion piece, um, called... A troubling trend in cancellations. Are inclusive shows in danger? Uh, and, you know, right off the bat, there's about five, six, seven, eight shows um, that she mentioned, just in case y'all really want to keep your heads in the sand. Um, Rosewood, The Get Down, Sensate, Pitch, East Los High. Sweet Vicious, Underground, American Crime. Mm. Well, no, no, never mind. No, American Crime, yeah, never mind. I was thinking of something else. Um, so, so she starts out, she just starts out listing these shows and says, these are all shows that were canceled recently. Notice a pattern? They all had non-white and or non-male and sometimes non-straight leads or ensemble casts. Uh, Often the main creative voices behind the scenes were not necessarily what most showrunners are, white men. Uh, The programs listed above were all very different from each other in tone and execution but they were the kind of programs that, from an inclusion standpoint, Hollywood leaders have repeatedly said they want to make. Hmm. The industry did make those shows, and now they're all gone. So, uh, yeah. So, I just, I, I remember one day on Twitter, we were... It was a Wednesday, and it was a, it was we were looking forward to, 
you know, new episodes of Shots Fired, of Underground. Mm-hmm. You know, there was Empire for those that still watch. There, yeah. um, um, and then so we were calling it like a new golden age for Black TV. Yes, there, Black Blackish was also comes on Sunday Wednesdays. Yes, and um, and th- and then I remembered, you know, if Queen Sugar was back on the air. It would have come on this, you know, if season two had started yep. um, that day, you know, it would have aired on Wednesdays. And we were like laughing, like, why are all these good black shows on <laughs> airing on Wednesday? And now, you know, half of those shows are gone. Yeah. And, it's and like- for bullshit reasons, like the reason why Underground is no longer on WGN is because... WGN wants to become the next Fox News or Breitbart or some bullshit. That they got they they got bought out by this yeah. company called Sinclair Broadcasting, mm-hmm. which is you know, which was a smaller group of local stations, and then but they want to expand, I guess, um, expand the reach of their hate and. Uh, uh, Underground was a casualty. Um, yeah, I be- you know I have every faith that they'll find um, someone uh, <coughs> to pick up the show. <coughs> yeah, Owen is one of the front runners to pick yeah. it up. Yeah, I think um, BT is out though, but I don't care. That's yeah, be yeah, they're not ready. Um, no, they are not. Why, why, why? ain't gonna um, push something as. Uh, uh, extraordinary is underground. So fuck them. Yeah. BT's loss. But uh, yep. yeah, it would be smart for Own to pick it up because Underground gave it had good ratings at WGN. So um, combine that with Queen Sugar, or yes. you know, or you can you can have you can give it its own night. So, you know, that'll just increase the number of people tuning in to own um, yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. And Underground has a devoted following. OK. And it's also it's, it's, it's run by black women. And it's also a really fucking good show. Yes. I just I mean, I'm just waiting for the Emmys, the Emmy nominations to come out. And I'm waiting, and I'm I'm praying for Underground to have a buttload of them, and I just want WGN to look like a real natural fool. Um, I mean, anybody that knows anything, you know, they already look like a fool. But when them nominations come out, and if yep. Underground gets the nominations yep. in writing and directing and yep. acting, mm-hmm. and just best TV show overall. I mean, if they get if they get a whole shed load of nominations, they gonna WGN's gonna look real foolish. Yeah, you know, I also think that something like the Get Down would also probably get stuff like art direction and things like that, like cinematography too. It so should, like, yeah, because I'm like y'all gonna look. That's just that just blows my fucking mind though. Made such a big deal out of how much money you spent making the show. Then you didn't promote it, and then 
it's like, oh, well, the white dude who was running didn't want to be a part of it, so let's just drop it. Like, I think Boz Lerman wanted a black person to run that show. It was like he was stepping aside, like, look, get a black person to do this. A black person should be running it. Yes. Yeah, that's the only, that's one of the only things that bothered me about the get down. Besides the fact that it was so male oriented. Yeah, yeah. At least the first part was. Yeah, it was. But um, the fact that there were so few black people behind the scenes. Yeah. But just like we said about it, it looked pretty. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you just want that pretty. pretty yeah, you just want that pretty sometimes, you know, you can kind of overlook other stuff. And so, yeah, from an artistic standpoint, the get down, you know, it had a great look. You know, it was a actually a very interesting mode of storytelling, too. And so, I mean, you had something there. Didn't not give it a chance. You should have gave it a chance to, you know, evolve. You really should have. I mean, you're given a chance with shows that have reached their natural end. Like, nobody needs a second season of 13 Reasons Why. I'm like, but never mind. You, but you're, give, you're giving that a second chance. Shit. Um. Yeah, and I don't even know why they, I don't know why they canceled Sensei, but. I don't either. Seems like a lot of, I don't know. But um, you know, I didn't I didn't bother to watch season two because they did my man. Um, I Mel wrong, and I, I left Freema, but I couldn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't make it half. I made it like halfway through the first season, and I just like you know what? Never mind. It's like the disrespect to the disrespect to Freema Agaiman on that show. Like, I don't think they gave him Amanita for a last name. No. In the first season. I'm like, what was her other function other than to, uh, other than to be there for Nomi? Did she have a life besides Nomi? No. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm all here for you, you know, having your trans girlfriend and all of that. That's awesome. But seriously, you, you, you did, you made a black woman, function virtually as you know the kind of a mammy yeah kind of a sexualized mammy pretty much that was her function and i'm like you know what i can't watch i can't watch this scene. i can't watch another show do this to her i couldn't because I, I, I yeah after after jamie clayton got on twitter and was so happy that amel um lost his job yeah i, I was I, that was it for the, me the one who plays nomi uh yeah oh so she trashed just like the wakowskis pretty much because so yeah she was like yeah she was she was thrilled that he was gone and uh they wanted to there were there were so many rumors cropping up in that in that fandom that wanted to paint um, Amel as um, transphobic. Mm. Um, well, I know the Wachowskis are racist as fuck. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, yeah, and so I mean, as far as I know, the dispute was about screen time. 
and his character just wasn't getting as much as as the white characters. His wasn't um what was her name? Son? Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't so, getting some what was yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she wasn't getting much screen time and and it's interesting too because she and those two were the characters that kind of that we see connecting first because it's like it's through her if, when he gets through that fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like and we just couldn't get any more of them with that and I'm like <laughs> But it was through their scenes that we saw the potential of this show. Yeah. And like, it, this is what, this is the greatness that this show could be, but we didn't get enough of that through the course of the series. Um, because one, they want to focus on the five out of eight sensates that are white. Wait. And, and really five. Listen, wait this a minute. It's supposed to be an international show. But listen to me. Not only is that you got five white people pretty much in the United States. Listen, if you got if you randomly pick out eight people from around the world, I'm sorry, but about four or five of them are going to be Asian. Okay? Cuz like a fucking third of the world's population, more than a third are fucking Asian. Okay, that's just in Asian countries. We're not even talking about diaspora Asian people. So how did you end up with five out of eight people being white? And based in the U.S. Anyway, so... uh... Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm I'm done thinking about that show. It's gone. Good riddance. Yeah. Uh, and fuck you for putting Chicago based on a white cop having all black people tell him he should have let this black teen die from a gunshot wound. I hate y'all. That was, that was yeah. That was. And he and he ended up being the de facto leader of the sensates. And I'm sorry, I'm tired of. I'm tired of stories of white men leaders yep. or saving the world or whatever. Yep. I don't give a fuck. So, anyways, um, that's insane. Uh, we talked about underground, then the get down. Um, we've already talked about pitch at length. Yeah, <laughs> in this very segment. Yeah. Uh but yeah, um, that's another one that. Um, a lot of money was spent on it, um, except for promo. Didn't want to promo it. And now um, the actors are getting jobs elsewhere. Um, yeah, when, I saw. When there's a campaign going on to get the show on a new network or a streaming service. Yeah. Like Mark Consuelo's already got a new job. Um, yeah. Mark Paul Gossler, all the Marks. Yep. Um, Mark Asplusters. Um, but yeah, Mark Mark Gosler's got another job on Fox. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing. This is some Tom Meissen shit. Yep. This is some sleepy hollow shit. I'm not here for it. Well, when when um Pitch um finds its new network, we can recast Mike Lawson. Exactly. It's not going to be a problem. I'm sure there are many actors that would like to smooch Kylie Bunbury. I would become an actor. <laughs> if 
before I got a chance to kiss B- Kylie Bunbury Listen, on Kylie, a regular basis Kylie for Bun- pay. <laughs> Kylie Bunbury is a face claim in, in, the, in something I'm supposed to be writing within the next couple of years. So, yeah. She's, she's just, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I have her uh, and Nicole Bihari as buddies. Uh, we'll talk about that later. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Yes, we will. Um, but yeah, pitch. Um, I hope it finds a new home and yeah. you can be replaced, Mark Paul. Yeah. Um, hate yeah. to see um, Mark Consuelos go because um, he's fine. He's a fine brown <laughs> man. I like. I enjoyed looking at him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, and you can hear more about pitch on the new show get her in the game yes shameless plug yes uh, <laughs> i actually um, I, I shameless plugged it at wisconsin too <laughs> oh good thank you appreciate you. appreciate you um but yeah uh so yeah what 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 happened to our golden age of uh black tv they pe- people I guess people saw us uh, getting our lives, and they was like, "We got to shut this shit down." It, that must. That's it. Some bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, it's and so okay. She, and so that's a disturbing trend. Um, I don't know. Uh, there are other shows cropping up, um, like Still Starcrossed. Uh, yes. That, you know, um, hopefully uh, 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 POC viewers can make some room in their weary hearts uh, for a show like Star- Still Starcrossed. Yes. Because it's important. Look, if you like pretty costuming, beautiful, dark-skinned black girls... And uh, dudes, uh, really cute dudes, uh, both kind of uh, swooning over and trying to, uh, and pursuing her. Okay, there's one cute dude. Come on now. Well, the uh, other one's not bad, but let me put it this way. If he sees, <laughs> he convincingly sees Rosaline as attractive, he's going to look a lot better to me. But I'm, I mean, I'm, how, how can you not? But yeah. Rosaline deserves the best. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not it. Anyway, yeah, I, know. Um, I know. I mean, I know everybody's trying to go for an OT three and all, but I'm like, nah. I'm, I'm just kind of here for Aeschylus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm really keep, yeah. Keep the pretty people together. Keep yeah, the pretty people. She don't need that ugly white boy. Anyway, um, cat's <laughs> gonna hate me. She's gonna cuss me out when she hears this. <laughs> I don't care though. <laughs> it's my show though it is um, <laughs> it is this, also, is this is where my Mondays will be my Monday nights ah he ugly though so I'm gonna just I'm gonna just close my eyes when he gets on the screen um not Aeschylus the other one yeah um and I'm mad that Romeo had to die he was pretty too he was he really was it's it's wild they have pretty yeah. light skinned boys yeah and then but pretty dark skinned women yeah, look, I'm they, here for it look, they I'm here for it they should have cast they should have cast something like a white person as Romeo and let the dude play a Romeo play somebody else 
Ex- yes. <laughs> Romeo should have played um, Benvolio. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would have been, I would have been here for the OT3. Chow. Could you imagine those two pretty light-skinned boys? All rubbing up on Rosalind? Yes, I can. Yes, yes I can. I can imagine it very easily. Yes, I'm, I'm doing it right now. Um, let's get back to the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one last thing uh, in Catch the Fade. Um, Ooh, oh, God have one, mercy. Take okay. it in the... Okay, so... Just the day before it aired, when we were making the show, we were talking about Asian men and, you know, them trying to uh, reclaim their masculinity and their sexuality. And you mentioned that Daniel Wu was one of the ones who saw uh, Romeo must die and knew that the kissing scene between Jet Li and Aaliyah was cut. And so I looked at them like, that must be why they cast Vale as black in here and Into the Badlands. I mean, he's talked about it in interviews, just like Jake Choi has. Okay, so, yeah. Sorry. And see the season finale, season two of Into the Badlands. And hey, it's all going well. Sunny and Vale reunite. Oh, spoilers, by the way. They reunite. We get this really nice kiss between them. And then there's the confrontation with Quinn. Quinn goes down like three fucking times. He should have been dead. What happens the last time he gets up? He's got a a weapon at Vale's throat. A sharp weapon. I don't know what it's called. And what happens? Vale looks at Sonny. Tells him to take care of Henry. Runs the weapon through her own throat so she could get Quinn. And they both die. You fucking killed Vale. You killed the one black lead. Well, not even a lead, but you killed the black love interest. You fridged her for man pain. Now listen, just like with everything, black women made this show. We rode hard as fuck for this show, overlooked any types of other issues we may have had with it. We were like, look, we have an Asian man and a black woman as love interest, they, you know, it, they, they have a connection. This is cool. So whatever. And she got fridged. I felt personally betrayed. Don't, when I don't saw forget, don't forget how we wrote for it on social media. Had that shit trending when Iron Fist came exactly, out. Exactly. That's where I was about to go. When soon as we start talking about Iron Fist, like, oh, if you want to see an actual Asian person doing, you know, martial arts and stuff and, you know, in a decent show into the Badlands, we will live tweet this with you. Hey, let's do this. We did this shit. okay? And then you fucking killed the black woman for man pain. And it makes no sense that she's dead. As a matter of fact. It's just like you killed the mother of an infant child. Who's going to feed him? Exactly. You killed the mother of an infant child. And they just got back together after being separated for so you have. I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Noah and Rosalie got back together sooner than Sonny and Vale did. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then it's like when one of the like writers of the show or something like that. I don't know who he is, but he's the creator of it. But then he, um, cause, uh, black girl nerds, they had an article about how all the types, all the tropes that happened here. And he had the nerve to be like, well, I didn't know about this trope of killing black women in shows and stuff. I'm like, did you not see what happened with Sleepy Hollow? Did you not see that? Were you not paying attention? How could you not have known? How fucking insulated are you? That you can just sit here and be like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. You jackass. They killed Nicole Bihari off that show and guess what happened to it? It tanked. It tanked. It tanked big time. So guess what's going to happen to Into the Badlands? Because I'm not coming back for season three. Like, no, I still haven't watched the season finale. I'm not even coming back. You can bring the master back because she's a black, you know, she's a black Asian lady. You can bring her back, but I'm still not coming back. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. You killed Vale. Also, the actress, the actress, Malin Mantok, was great on social media as well. She was always live tweeting and promoting the show and supporting the show. And you got rid of her for what? For absolutely nothing. And meanwhile, that fucking bitch, the widow, oh, God. Oh, God, she is everything. She is stop white feminism, TM. She is, she embodies everything that is white feminism. You want me to cheer for the widow as a baron when you had Madam Chow in the background this whole time, and I only get to see her like three three minutes in like two episodes? (sighs) Oh, God. Could have at least given me Madam Chow. Oh, so, you know what? And after all that, because I mean, because I kind of thought Daniel, I'm like, Daniel, I thought you were down. That's why I just feel betrayed. Because it's like you do the same thing everybody else did. You use black women to get your platform, to get your audience. And then you just kind of, you just disrespected us so hard here. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm done with the show. I mean, he's the executive. He's an executive producer, but he doesn't write the show. Yeah, I know. But, but <laughs> I mean, he probably could have Yeah. said something. I don't know. Maybe he did. I'm hoping he did, but I don't know. Maybe he just didn't really care. Um, yeah. Well, he still got a job, so. Ah, well, fuck that show. Um, I will s- support anything that Madeline Mantock is in next. Yep. Um, because um, I love the way that she called out the fandom when they were on some fuck shit. <laughs> um, even in the season finale, as Vale was dying, she's tweeting out, you know, um, <laughs> she's like, I'm, you know, fuck it, I'm going to say it. You know, it's funny how people feel sympathy um for um the white characters but not the um the brown ones um i'm paraphrasing but um yeah yeah and uh yeah that's that's how they do in fandom but now you don't have to deal with this one no more um, yeah <sighs> just yeah, but that 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 was a slap in the face. That was it. A really was it was. Um, 
And now I have one less show to watch. I was only watching um, two or three shows, and that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Save me money on um, Google, pa- uh, Google Play Season Pass for uh, Season 3, because I'm not buying that shit. Yep. All right. Time for some happy. Time for some print. Ooh, yeah. Oh, so we only doing one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, Enda came uh, up with this one. <laughs> uh, them, and our uh, honoree for this weekend at print is... Uh, Professor Ali Mushtaq. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is, um, he's not a self-proclaimed leather daddy. He's won awards for it. So, uh, (laughs) so, so, um, um, Mr. Mushtaq, uh, is a Pakistani American, um, who just won International Mr. Leather Pageant. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, he is um, the first Pakistani American to participate in the competition. Um, he is a gay Muslim American adjunct professor of sociology. Yeah. And um, so uh, he's he had a profile done of him uh, on the New York Times, and uh, I just he's breaking barriers. He's you know, busting stereotypes. Um, yeah. You want to talk about a a man embracing his sexuality and masculinity, and you know just. Um, Giving no fucks. Yep, <laughs> it's exactly. Ali Mushtaq. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it says that um, his presence at Mr. Leather says it's important representation for gay and kink-minded Muslims and South Asians, helping to open up the idea of what the leather community looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, uh, um, wow. I didn't even, I didn't know that, that, Muslims were into kink or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't. He said he identifies more as Muslim, more as a cultural identity rather than a religious one. Mm-hmm. But I'm, yeah, I'm actually pretty sure you can find some Muslims into kink if you, you know, you just. Hey. But thing is, I think you kind of have to be in kink communities to you know find people there. But those are those are kind of they seem kind of difficult to be in because I mean, if you find the wrong person to get in the kink with, that can be a disaster. So yeah, it's actually, I do enjoy seeing like more black and brown people like proclaiming or, you know, just claiming this space because I think it's a, if this is something that, you know, you're interested in, I think it's kind of important to find, you know, your folks there. And, you know, like I said, release, You release know? yeah kink is a release for a lot of people so you know I bet it is so um <laughs> it is 
<laughs> so I'm like, I'm actually kind of glad to see, you know, and plus, you know, with him also being gay, I mean, you have to, I mean, that could be a whole lot of fuck shit involved in that. So, I mean, he got to, he got to have a strong, you know, disposition to, you know, be up in these, you know, communities here and probably, probably a minority within a minority, you know? I mean, I bet he's, oh, I bet he's dealt with a lot of fuck shit. Yeah. But he just seems like the most chill person. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a contender for great beards of our time. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yep. What is it? It's like my last, my last few nominees for great beards of our time. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so from the article, um, we learned that he wears a necklace with a pendant that says Allah. Um, he has a whip that he's named Wally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, "Quote: I wanted to be more edgy, the libertine that everyone gossiped about and called a slut." End quote. <laughs> Um, and also that his 70-year-old grandmother lives with him and is very proud of him. <laughs> I like his grandma. <laughs> oh, I bet this family is a trap. I uh, know. They have got um, to be. Uh, and it shows a picture from his Instagram where he's wearing <laughs> he's wearing his little um I don't know what you call it sash. when you win a pageant. The sash? Sat, yes, a sash. <laughs> it says, uh, Mr. Mr. Long Beach Litter. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, there's also, a, look, there's another picture on his Instagram. He's not even wearing the leather. Just the sash. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Clutch yeah. the pearls. Clutch <laughs> the pearls. Oh, um, yeah. Clutch the sash. That's all you got. Um, (laughs) So, wow. Wow. He is... He is... A groundbreaker. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he says, uh, My presence shows that people that look like me, that are Pakistani, that are Muslim, are here for peace. We are the sex symbol. We are the people that everybody wants to hit on. Hey. I hope that means metaphorically and not anyway. When yeah, mind, exactly, um, exactly. Ali Mushtaq, we salute you uh, during Pride. Um, yes. Keep breaking those breaking barriers. Yeah, uh, posting those awesome selfies on IG too. And 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 salute your beard too. Salute to your beard too. Yes. That's that's a fine beard, young man. Oh yeah. Um, oh, so that was great. Um, oh, yeah. And now we are ready for Womanist Vocab. All right. So today's Womanist Vocab word is public sphere. The public sphere is the social space where individuals can congregate to discuss private issues and ideas as well as societal problems in a way that prompts political actions. Also known as the bourgeois public sphere, the public sphere is said to emerge during the 18th century in coffee houses, literary and other societies, voluntary associations, and the growth of the press. German culturist, cultural theorist Jürgen 
Abermas popularized the term with his 1962 work, The Structural Transformation of the Public Sphere. And yes, that was inspired by Wiscon. Hey! So, is social media a public sphere, or... I think very much so. different? I think very much so, yeah. Especially like Twitter, because Twitter gets shit done. Yeah, and... We got a whole last movie. (laughs) Yeah. A hypothetical movie made for Twitter. That's true. Yeah. Um... Yeah, unfortunately, it's also a place where people steal ideas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. BuzzFeed looking straight at you. (laughs) Kardashians looking straight at you. Yeah. Um, um, So, um, the Black Girl Commandment, going to rip off. Speaking of stealing, going to rip off. (laughs) Uh, in the sign off from her uh, Black Swan Collective uh, and in this corner take care you can have take that. care black women please yes. please can, so no don't mind stealing that at all because you can have that that's that's kind of my prayer and my mantra for everyone take care take care recharge restore your magic um, yes and do it for yourself. Uh, amen. All right. So uh, if you want to get in contact with us, um, help us uh, send us more uh, nominees for This Week in That Print. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm running out of people that I, have, I've already, that I haven't already um, mentioned on here. Um, don't, don't, don't make me start um, nominating white boys. Help! <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm so so real. I'm so in the nose. In the nose. I'm I'm having a problem. So just contact us at Black Girl Squeeze. Send us your nominees, please. Um, you can hit end up uh, at in this corner. Me at Dust Daughter. Uh, you can uh, send us an ask on Tumblr at BlackGirlSqueeze.tumblr.com. You can email us BlackGirlSquee at gmail.com. Um, you can uh, leave a comment uh, on uh, iTunes when you rate and review us. Um, or um, go to our Patreons and make a request there while you drop a little something in the collection plate. Um, anything you want to do, let us know uh, who you want to hear about on this week in our print. Yes. Uh-huh. So, uh, until next time, uh, bye. Bye.